Every time he sees me, his eyes light up. I can almost hear his heart beat faster. He looks at me the same way he did when we first met. For him, it's love at first sight every day. For me, it's heartbreaking. Loving someone who's living with dementia is not easy. For support, advice, or to make a donation, visit DementiaSA.org. More music, more inspiration. Another episode, another exciting guest waiting for us. And if you haven't joined us before, let's tell you about Healthcare Hour with me. It's all about healthcare practitioners and healthcare itself. It's about reminding us that healthcare people are people and that they get tired and hungry just like us. And of course, we go and find topics in healthcare. Sometimes they're topics that we want to talk about. Sometimes they're topics that you think, oh, Colleen, we can't talk about those. But the show is always interesting. This show is about presentations. And after the break, I'll be introducing you to our exciting guest who helps presenters and speakers not be boring. Can't wait to talk to her. Let's go for that break. You're listening to Vuga Online. Vuga Vuga, Vuga Vuga, Fondi Nisambi. Vuga Vuga, Fondi Nisambi. You're listening to Vuga Online. You are rocking with the best. Kick off with the biggest character deal only at Pep. Baby's teas and vests only $39.99. Kids just $44.99. Buy any two and score a saving of 10. More deals, more fun in store. Life's better with Pep. You're listening to Vuga Online. Welcome back. You are tuned to Healthcare Hour with Colleen Quist. How many of you have been to a presentation recently and the moment the speaker opens their mouth or puts up that first slide, you disappear into oh, your shopping list? or staring out the window. Unfortunately, a lot of conference rooms don't have windows these days. So, you know, it's like watching paint dry. So I'm sure that everybody, we've defaulted to how we do presentations, the, the what worked in the olden days. And unfortunately now, they don't work anymore. So let me introduce you to my guest. Her name is Meredith. And we're going to get her to pronounce her surname because I might say Grinda and she might say that's not it. <laughs> yes. Hello, Meredith. Hello. I'm so delighted to be here with you. Uh, it is, you got it right. It's Meredith Grundai. Ah, uh, Grundai. I would have said, we would have said Grun sound Grun. as opposed to Grun. Oh, okay. Um, so welcome, Meredith. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, your 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 tagline of that you help presenters and speakers not be boring. Yes, I do. I I've, <laughs> I have seen many a presentations, and I have a performance background as an actor, dancer, improviser. I've been doing that since I was a small child. I started off dancing, and somebody said I had to, I got to speak on stage. I got to say these words. When I grow up, I want to be just like Wonder Woman. 
And this woman said to me, you should take acting classes. You have a fantastic stage voice. And I was like, oh, okay. So I started down that route and I loved the community of people and I loved creating work and I loved acting in plays and directing shows and uh, thinking outside of the box on what I could do next and how I could include the audience. So I've always had my eye on experience, like what kind of an experience can I create for people as a performer um, in a non-traditional setting. So I was really gra- I gravitated towards doing devised theater, which means you create your own work in the studio in real time, using all of the different um, disciplines within the arts to make that happen and to make that story come to life. And all while doing that, I was also, I loved improv. I loved making stuff up. And so I had a uh, job in Chicago, Illinois. I'm presently living in New York City. And during that time, I worked for The Second City, which is this big uh, comedy club where a lot of actors like that you've seen on Saturday Night Live, if that's a show that you've watched, uh, came from. I like Tina Fey, for example. Amy Poehler are pretty popular names. And I worked there as a teacher and I loved it. And from there, I also started working in organizations. I started teaching improv as a tool for communication heightened listening, all of the things in uh, corporate America. And I loved it. And I also got to travel globally doing that as well, which was really fun. And from there, I started coaching people, individuals in public speaking, in presenting. And I've learned a tremendous amount over the years about what makes a great presentation and what makes not such a great presentation. And so that has been now my main focus, my business is Grundi Coaching, and I'm working with predominantly individuals within the high-tech industry and in medical and healthcare. And I'm helping bring their presentations that can tend to be quite didactic to life. And that's, and I really love it. Okay, so it's fascinating that you've taken your background of entertaining And I'm sure that a lot of professors are listening to us right now and saying, you know, Meredith, all very well, you know, I'm not an actor. I'm just a professor of, okay. And I've got to go and do an academic presentation that's not entertaining. It's not like standing on a stage and like being an actress or an actor. Oh, yes. I hear that. It's not, it's not about... You know, you hear this, I I don't know if your listeners have heard the the term edutainment, right? That's kind of something that's flying around the world of conferences and presenting these days. My job for me, what I am more interested in doing is pulling out you more into the presentation so that not only are you physically showing up in the space so that you're commanding the space, if you will, but we want to engage our audience. So we need to be embodied. We need to be speaking from the body, the mind, and the heart in order to have that connection with our audience. So my job is to get you a little bit out of your comfort zone so that you can really do that. Bring your authentic, we hear the word authentic self forward. We hear the word empathy, but those things I feel really do need to be present in the room in order for your presentation to be truly heard. And I feel like it's equal parts of your logic, which is what most people have down really, really, really well. They've got all the data, they've got the logic, 
they've got the expertise, um, but that empathy piece and that authenticity piece is really needs to be present as well in order to build the trust with your audience, which is what we all ultimately want to do so that we're properly educating them and we're also inspiring them. So when I work with clients, it's not about making you an entertainment, an entertainer. It's about really giving you permission to show up differently than how you've seen your colleagues show up or how you think you should be showing up or how you have been showing up. Okay. So I love that. It's about showing up differently Mm -hmm. because I think, yeah, I mean, obviously we've been to conferences and we've certainly been to, um, you know, medical conferences, but any kind of professional conference, but not only the conference where you've gone out of the office, even in the office, when you have the daily weekly meeting, yes, you know, and it's like, here come the slides or here comes the blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Right. We've done all this, you know, we've done it to death. Okay. But I think people are scared to like, Oh, but what happens if, but also even if they knew how to do it differently, they're too scared to do it differently. I would agree with that. I would agree with that. And so it is It is about taking some risk. And we all know that those who take risk grow, right? So I am giving a, you permission to take a risk. And usually the, all that risk entails is telling a story, is finding a way to humanize the content so that you're truly connecting with your audience. So they can, you're, you're, it's that empathy piece that we so truly need. And it is about you bringing your story forward and talking about feelings. Like, how did you feel when something like that happened? Where were you? What are the details of the story? What are the things that we as human beings can hold on to? Because if we don't remember the content, then you've just wasted your time and you've wasted everybody else's time or you're having to circle back with people. Uh, so it's really, even if they, that emotional connect is incredibly important. The reason why we're in that room, other than you educating, is incredibly important. It's great that you say that, because recently I was watching a prof give a presentation, and he was reading off his slides. And it's almost like on the slides, he had hundreds and hundreds, it felt like thousands, of lines of, of information. And like when he was reading it, you could literally see the whole audience switch off. But yep. when he forgot about his slides and for a moment he was telling us the story of because he was there, he'd done his slides, then we were like engaged. And then he went, oh, hang on. And he went back to his slides. And then we yeah. all disengaged again. So, Yeah. I think let's go for a break. And then when we come back, let's go into the how. What are the tips? Yes. What, what do you recommend for us? Okay. So let's go for that break. Welcome back. You tuned to Healthcare Hour with Colleen Quist. Today- Waking up to Vuga Online. The more someone makes you think about your body, the harder it becomes to ignore. Your tongue, for example. Usually you hardly notice it's there. But when I mention it, you can feel your tongue bumping against your lower front teeth, the tips just resting on them. You notice your tongue feels just a little too long for your mouth. And you notice it never really lies still. 
you move it about constantly, without thinking about it, backwards and forwards, and from side to side. Suddenly it feels strangely wet and heavy in your mouth, doesn't it? A few seconds ago you hardly noticed your tongue, but just one message ensured that you can't stop thinking about it. Now imagine the hundreds of messages girls are exposed to every day, subtly changing the way they think about their bodies. See how you can help with the Dove Self-Esteem Project at selfesteem.dove.co.uk. Broadcasting worldwide, online, 24-7. Vuga Online. You're listening to Vuga Online. Welcome back. You're tuned to Healthcare Hour with Colleen Quist. Today we're talking about presentations. And with me is Meredith Grundar. She is a person who helps presenters and speakers not be boring. She's based in New York City. And she's been telling us that we need to give ourselves permission to step out of the always the boring, to step into the discomfort, to try and be different, because that's where we grow. So now let's talk about the actual how. What should we do? Where do we start, Meredith? Yes, great question. So when you're giving a presentation, your audience is coming into that room and they're wondering a few things. They may already know who you are. If they don't, they're wondering, who is this person? Why should I care? And how are they going to solve my problem? So I always say to people, start with, the problem. So start with the story that leads to why they should care. Then introduce yourself for credibility. Most people start off by saying, hi, my name is, that doesn't engage us. That's not a great opening number, right? So what's your great opening number? It's your story. Then you for credibility. And then furthermore, the solutions for how you're going to solve the problem. How are you going to better educate your audience? I always tell people, don't start with your slides. The slides are a crutch. The slides, um, that's what most people do is they go back, they look at their deck, they look at things that they've done in the past. Start Start making your outline first, pen to paper, analog it. Don't sit in front of a a screen all day long trying to figure out what you're going to say. Just write down pen and paper. What is your outline? What do they need to know? What is your end in mind? What are the needs to know that are going to lead to that end in mind? All right. Most people can only retain, and this is debatable, five to seven points. I say most people can only retain three to five points, to be quite honest with you. So what is the journey you're going to take them on? What is the need to knows? And then the end in mind. I'm just repeating that back so your listeners hear it in case they're wanting to write that down. So then once you figure that out, then you can start looking at how are your slides going to best support your message? And then you need to look at the slides and go, okay, what is the need to know on each one of these slides? And if it's information that you feel needs to be there, if it's data points that need to be there, then you need to be orienting your audience where to look on the slide before that slide comes up or when that slide does come up. We want to set them up for success. So oftentimes what I see is that the slide is completely, it's the same information, but the way it's being shared with us verbally is not what the people are looking at. And our brains can't read the data points on a slide and listen to the speaker at the same time. There's very few people in the world that can do that successfully. So what happens is half your audience is getting left out of the conversation because they're trying to read the data 
and they can't hear what you're saying. So they're missing crucial things, right? So we need to connect our message with what's on the slide. So, and that takes practice. That takes a lot of practice. And that is the one thing that I see people doing. They cram, they do it last minute. They put their slide deck together. Then that's why they're reading off their slides. They're not clear about the journey they need to be taking the audience on in order for them to have the best experience. So practice, practice, practice is going to do multiple things. It's going to keep you on track. And so then if you, if things don't go the way that you want them to tech, your tech goes wrong or you, whatever that might be, this will get you back uh, on track because you will have been well-practiced, right? It'll give you some confidence. You'll be able to engage with your audience better. Uh, you'll know what slide is coming up so you can prepare them for that. So those are just a few things off the top of my head right now where people can really just take some time and space to practice and then give themselves a proper structure. It feels almost like we should go, let's have an example. <laughs> you know, let's pretend we are going to present on whatever, you know. Um, so clearly you you must run workshops or you must do you must assist people with the actual practicality because at the moment we're hearing, we're not doing. I do. I do hands-on workshops. I do. I work with people either one-on-one or I will work with organizations and their teams. So I, I love to work with leadership and their teams on how to really make their presentations shine because at the end of the day, when people aren't really hearing what we're putting down, we're losing money right? It actually, because we have to go back, we have to um, re-explain or people aren't as fully educated as they need to be in order to be successful at their jobs. Uh, or our customers are confused, right? So we want to be uh, better at presenting. We want to be cl- more clear with our call to action. I've watched so many presentations where people also, that's another thing I wanted to throw in there, Be very clear about what your call to action is. What do you want people to do? And don't just say, go follow this link. People will never go follow a link ever. You need to give them the link right then and there. QR codes, thank you to the pandemic, had a re-emergence into the world. Those are wonderful. Everyone pull out your phones right now, follow this QR code, sign up, whatever. Please, if you're educating people, you want to inspire them to go further educate themselves to be curious, right? You, you want to leave them. I always say, leave them wanting more. Don't give them the whole enchilada during your presentation. You don't need to give them all of the finite details. Um, so that, I hope that answered your question. I gave a little bit more than what you asked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it does answer the question. Um, I think also, you know, before it was like exclude the, the phone or exclude the, the cell or the mobile from the, from it. But now I'm seeing that there's you've got to engage your audience. You've got to like have them answer like, oh, press the buttons. You know, people love buttons. Oh, people do love their buttons. You know, I think there's a lot of ways that we can engage our audience. We can be asking them questions. We can invite, invite them into the conversation. Um, we can, we we get to set up the room however we want to set that room up. And I think that's the other thing too, is that you see a lot of people, they show up, they get on the stage or they stand in front of their audience and they kind of do the same thing over and over again. I always say, if there's a lectern, don't stand behind it. It's for your water. Uh, 
being be closer to that audience, have a conversation with them, ask them some questions, maybe set them up in a circle if it's a smaller group so it's not so lecture style. Um, think about what kind of a learning experience you want people to have. Uh, if if you don't want people to be on their phones, then say that. Say, for this presentation, I would love for you to put your phones down. At the end of it, I'll ask you to bring them up because I've got a great QR code for you, right? So we get to direct our audience a little bit about what kind of an experience we want them to have. Put yourself in their shoes. How would you want to be directed through your, your presentation? What's important there as well is like come out from behind the lectern. Oh, Don't yes. stand here safely or turn your back to the audience and read read the slides you know yeah. it's also we can read the slides too we don't need you to read them to us um yes yes and so it's about connecting it's all about connecting otherwise what's the point you can just it's send them you can send them the pdf <laughs> right yeah you read <laughs> yeah oh and okay so also very important as well call to action You've got to actually come up with a call to action that people are going to be called to action on as opposed to, oh, well, go find it. No, I'm not going right. to go find it. No, it no one me. will. Yeah. Yeah. You need to, yeah. I mean, just think about it. You need to make things as easy as possible. We live, we have a very short attention span and it keeps getting shorter. So you can and we all are living busy lives. We all have to-do lists. So don't put another thing on somebody's to-do list. Make it as present as possible. Make it as easy and accessible as possible for people to find you. Yes, and also make people laugh. Connect yes. to the story. Oh, God, yes. Humor is huge. You know, I know some people, I've had clients say, well, I'm afraid to be humorous because of the particular audience. You know, maybe it is. A, a, an audience of scholars, or or maybe it's, you know, we're also used to being so serious. I think there's ways that you can bring humor in. And if you don't feel comfortable, it's not about poking fun of anyone. It's not about, it's, it's not about being a, making a joke. It's more about how, how can I be ironic or self-deprecating? Or if maybe I, I come up with a cartoon that I show on my slideshow that will get people chuckling a little bit. So there's many ways we can enter in with humor. And I always say humor, the best use of humor is when it comes from a place of truth. So if you're trying too hard and you want to try to be funny in a moment, it's probably not going to land as well as you would like it to, to land. So always just be looking for those authentic moments where the humor comes from that, that place of truth. Yes, because, you know, often if you had to say to somebody, bring in humor, they imagine being the stand-up comic and here no. come, I'm going to tell you a joke. And then for me, I go like, oh, I don't, I don't know any jokes. Okay. But I certainly could share a thousand funny things that happen in my life relevant to the presentation. Um, and you go, ha, 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 because it's, oh, yes, no, I can identify with it. Yeah, yeah. Yes, that I, I feel anytime you can bring in, that's why the story is also so powerful is that anytime your audience can identify with the experience, you've got them. Okay, so there are lots of those tips, but we're going to delve in even more when we come back from that break. More music, more inspiration, Vula Online. 
you could see what I could see, you'd see the determination in a hero's eyes, the vivid colors of magical lands, and the sparkle of my daughter's smile. If you could see what I could see, you'd have a Samsung Galaxy S smartphone. For films, games, photos, and over 100,000 Android apps, the choice is clear. The award-winning Samsung Galaxy S with our brightest, most brilliant screen and now over £50 worth of films and games for free. The Samsung Galaxy S. Vuga, it's time to wake up with Vuga Online Radio. Welcome back. You are tuned to Healthcare Hour with Colleen Quist on VUCA Online Radio, your inspiration radio station. And today we're getting inspiration for presentations. So often we sit in presentations, whether they're the boring old run-of-the-mill variety on a Friday morning, or you've gone off to a conference, and you sit there thinking, how many minutes till I can escape? Of course, now with us needing continuing education, points, the continuing professional development points, we can't escape. We've got to actually sit there, but our minds escape. And Meredith Grundar, who I recently met and is fascinating in how she teaches people to not be boring, to not lose us in these presentations. She's been speaking to us about bringing your heart to the story, bringing the story, not being scared of being different. Also starting with the end in mind and not just having, I've got to have 40 slides. What is each slide for? What call to action is there on the slide? Why are you sharing that with the person? Yes. And then, of course, this is all scary. And she shared as well that she works with individuals. She works with teams. And it's very much about, you know, let's do it together as a journey. So, Meredith, what else can you share with us? What, what other tips can you give us? Well, I, one thing that I do that, that makes me unique from other speaking coaches is I do incorporate the improv into my trainings. So what I'm doing is getting people out of their comfort zones using improvisational theater tools. Uh, so what that might mean is uh, I, I would present an exercise like um, one word at a time story, for example, and or one sentence at a time story, or we might play a fun game called Dr. Know-It-All. There's all of these different exercises that get us out of our comfort zone. Uh, it helps us. I put people up on their feet. Um, we're standing in a circle. We're making eye contact. We're, we're yes-anding each other so that we're also figuring out ways where we can brainstorm and ideate together as a team. And while all of the, what these exercises do, they have no real world consequences, but they have a lot of real world applications. And those applications as a speaker are, it helps you be more adaptable so that when you do have those moments where things aren't going in the direction in which you had planned them to go, which often happens, you can be more adaptable in those moments, right? You can find ways to incorporate that humor in an honest way. Uh, you find new ways to brainstorm the story, if you will, for your presentation, or you find uh, different pathways for how to engage with your audience. So it's a really wonderful tool, not just for heightened communication, but also to help people find those ways to step into their, their confidence, right? And it's like anything else, 
the more you practice, the more it becomes integrated. It flows. Mm-hmm. So let, let me understand. So when you're saying improv, it's obviously improvisation. Mm-hmm. And like, so for instance, if we were playing and you could practice, it would be like, you give me a word and say, okay, Colleen, horse. And yeah. then I would have to come up with a word about the horse raced across the field and jumped over the fence. Yes, that would be that would be a great example of an exercise. Or I might even say, um, pick up pick up some the first thing that you see on your desk. So if we were doing this virtually, and so I I pick yep, yeah, you've got your glasses, and I picked up this remote. So I would uh, I would tell a story, and I'd say, okay, this is show and tell. So uh, I have a be- a wonderful friend named Danny Bristol, and he gave me. And my daughter, because my daughter started doing TikToks, a ring light for Christmas this year. And so this is the remote that turns on and off that ring light. And I love it because every time I turn on and off my ring light, I think of my amazing friend, Danny, who I am so grateful for. And we met when he was 15 and I was his teacher and we've stayed in touch. And now we're, we're dear friends. And he's a, a brilliant photographer here in New York City. And he does all of my headshots. So this simple mundane object that was sitting on my desk actually has a story behind it. And you picked up your glasses. So I'm sure you have a story too. So if I hold up my glasses for the audience, not that they could see it, but you can see that it's only got one little arm. It's because recently I happened to drop my glasses, jump directly down and the little arm shattered. And I haven't gone to get it fixed or to buy new glasses yet. But I've discovered you can adapt and it can balance very neatly on one ear. <laughs> Lopsided well, at times. Tell, so tell me, tell me, how did it feel when you, when you broke them? A, a bit like, oh, no. Okay. I mean, obviously, these glasses are the reading kind that aren't expensive. But it's just like, no, I like my glasses. Now, they're broken. But I've discovered they're still working. So let's see how long I can balance them on one ear before I <laughs> head off to the store to go buy more. <laughs> Another one. Yes. Beautiful. So that, that was just, a, that's an example of a simple exercise. And then what we do is we then talk about that exercise. Okay, what did we learn about? Was, was Colleen's story interesting? Yes. Could you relate to it? Yes. Have you ever broken something in your life where you've had to just adapt it because you don't have time to run out and buy a new pair? Or um, is there a gift that someone has given to you recently? Or maybe you're somebody that gets on TikTok, or maybe you're thinking I should buy a ring light because I don't look great on virtual calls, whatever. It will inspire something in someone. And that's the power of story. And I think it's also about being clear as to, you know, when we started this exercise, we weren't, I wasn't clear on us must speak for 30 seconds or I should speak for three minutes or gee, talk for an hour, you know, in which case you would have gone into more. And I was sitting there doing X, Y, Z. And as I got up, guess what? And you would not drag it out, but you would make it more convoluted in the story. Yes. There's a great exercise I do as well, which is an improv exercise called Half-Life, which is we would tell a story that's true, that's happened to us in our life. And I give you 90 seconds and you tell the story in 90 seconds and it's on a timer. And then I go, okay, now tell that exact same story in half the amount of time. And I set the timer and then I say, okay, now tell that story in half that amount of time. Right. So then what happens is 
you get to the core, what is, what is the need to know is from that story? Cause you're right that so many people can start to tell a story, but sometimes it can go on and on and on and on. And then we lose set, we lose sense of what the point is, right? My glasses broke, but I'm still using them. Yeah. How's that? <laughs> My glasses broke. I was frustrated, but I figured out a way to use them, right? I think adding in that yeah. feel, so that's the an feeling, right? Yes. So what you've done there, Meredith, is, is you didn't just give thanks. Mm-hmm. You know, my glasses broke. I'm still using them. Boring. My glasses broke. The the frustration and disappointment, but I've overcome that and, you know, found a way of, you know, bringing it in. So, mm-hmm. yes, you're bringing in emotion. Yes. Yes. Now, emotion is something that people often think, oh, but that doesn't belong in an academic room. Well, only science belongs there. Yeah. We have to keep our eye. We have to keep our mind on why we're there, right? We're never there just to give an academic talk, to educate uh, other colleagues. Our main purpose is because we want to what? Save lives. How is what we're doing in this room helping other people? right? What is, what is our re what is our real purpose for being there? So if, if we're really clear about why we're in that room and why educating people on this particular topic today is important for the greater good, that gives us more drive to go, where's the emotion in this? How is this? It's, there's always an emotional connect always we're human beings if we eliminate that from the conversation then we forget about our purpose and also in a in a neuroscience perspective it's also about bringing head heart and gut yeah and so you know did you engage your audience from a head heart and gut point of view did you bring your head heart and gut and not just blah 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 facts from the head brain yeah yeah and again I always say this, put yourself in the shoes of the audience. Would you want to sit there and listen to a blah, blah, blah presentation for the next 90 minutes? Mm-mm. Or the same presentation that you've heard 10 times over because the person's <laughs> given it 2,000 times. Yes, yes, yes. It doesn't have to think about it at all. It's just like, oh, next slide, next slide. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, we can make things fun for ourselves. You can give yourselves... Uh, it's, it's like the improv exercises, right? The thing about improv is that it's not just making stuff up on the spot. We are giving ourselves a structure to work within. So my invitation, because once you have that structure really clear and you start to have fun in that structure, that's when you start to find the formlessness. That's when the engagement can start to happen, right? Because you're getting out of your head more. So I always say, when you're putting together a presentation, what is your structure? How do you want your audience to experience this, give yourself, maybe you give yourself some fun rules. Like uh, I'm going to tell a story and I'm going to incorporate these three things and I'm going to only keep it at 90 seconds, or uh, I'm going to do my whole entire presentation. And at some point I'm going to pause and have everyone stand up and do jumping jacks or whatever it is. D- just to he get people not go to that presentation. <laughs> no, I know. Keep, keep, you just, you know, sometimes it's like, you know, we, we gravitate to story too, because it, 
that when something unexpected happens, we're like, whoa, we perk up. So put something unexpected in your presentation. It doesn't have to be jumping jacks, but think about what is going to get them to think differently. Are you going to maybe have them turn to the person next to them and ask a question and then report back? I don't know. There's lots and lots of different things that we can do. Seems like we've only scratched the the surface here. And now we're going to go for our last break. And then your closing thoughts. Um, Yeah. You know, obviously you, you have workshops in face-to-face as well as online. Mm -hmm. So you can be anywhere in the world, I'm Mm -hmm. sure. Yeah. Okay. So let's go for that break. Vuga, it's time to wake up with Vuga Online Radio. You're listening to Vuga Online. More music, more inspiration. Vuga Online. Welcome back. You tuned to Healthcare Hour with Colin Quist. We've been looking at presentations, how to make them not boring how to make yourself not boring. And my guest, Meredith Grundy has been sharing tips with us. So Meredith, in closing, what would you be your take home for people? Your call to action. What would be your call to action for everybody listening? (laughs) My, My call to action for people, for your listeners would be, if you truly want to commit to being a better speaker, and connect more with your audience so that your message is clear, then what is one thing that you can do? What's one baby step that you can take right now? And so I'll give an example of some baby steps that you can take. One is really looking at your vocal delivery. What is something you can do to help enhance yourself? Maybe it's Uh, taking a singing class, right? There's things that we can do that will help us be better speakers that might not be obvious. So what's a a baby step we can take? Maybe you have an improv uh, class in your area that you can sign up for. That would be a fun baby step that you could take. Uh, What is one thing you could do? Maybe you're used to starting with your slides all the time. So maybe after having heard this conversation today, you start pen to paper and you write your outline first, and then you decide to look at your slides last and how they're going to best support. So I'm not asking everybody to go out there and completely change up everything that they've been doing because that can feel overwhelming, but what's one little thing you can do that is different than how you've been doing it to get you closer to being a better speaker and if confidence or the fear of speaking is, is that, then I highly encourage you, contact me. Let's just have a 30, I give 30 minute complimentary consultations for people. Um, I, I can, you know, I don't know if you have show notes or anything calling, but I can give you that link. People can sign up uh, and please just reach out to me. I love working with organizations. I love helping uh, people really step out of their comfort zones to be better speakers because it, it, it benefits all of us in the end. Thank you so much, Meredith. So yes, even if your, your baby step, remember baby steps add up, but even if your baby step is to reach out to Meredith for a 30-minute complimentary, talk through what scares you. Talk through, but oh, what happens? I can't, okay? Um, because you never know. One step leads to another step. And so what we're doing today is to encourage you to take that one baby step and then also 
tell us about it. Reach out to the radio station. We'd love to know what baby step you've taken. So Meredith, thank you for joining us. Thank you. This has been a wonderful conversation. Yes. Pity that it seems to you like, I'm sure we could have had way more hours to be able to discuss (laughs) all these things. And I also like to be able to do the things, you know, like from an improv point of view of, oh, let's try. So yes. So we shall be seeing you shortly for a 30 minute consultation. How's that? Love it. Yes, please. Okay, so thank you. You have been tuned to Healthcare Hour with Colleen Quist. We've been talking about presentations, how to make them not boring, how to change yourself up. And just to remind you out there that you are loved, you matter, and we'll see you next time. VUGA, it's time to wake up with VUGA Online Radio.